And uh, he just stands off to the side and, and talks to a few people as everyone is talking with Beverly. We love you too. Oh man, I am so excited about today and next week. As we conclude the series that we have called The Body of Christ Discovering God, we are going to talk about our final story, and in this final story, we are going to see the climax of what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to understand in everything that we have found out. So turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to begin talking about Jesus' encounter with Paul. Now, throughout this series, as you well know, we have discussed people who have encountered Jesus as a man, but we understand that Jesus was God also. And so in these encounters and finding out how Jesus reacted because he's God, then we have understood really who God is. And by understanding who God is, then we ascertain that who God is is who we are because we're created in the image and the likeness of God. And being created in the image and likeness of God, we have the ability to walk in the things that Jesus walked in, to accomplish things that Jesus accomplished. Now, God is not as concerned about what we are doing. Remember this model you've heard for 13 years? He's not as concerned of what you're doing. He's more concerned of what you're becoming. Because when you become exactly who you were created to be, then everything you do will have the background of who you are. And who you are is an anointed son or daughter of God that can walk in the power of God and see the power of God manifest itself in a great way in every area of your life. So the son was active encountering people in the Old Testament too. So we've been covering the Gospels, but now we're going to dive back into the Old Testament, and we're also going to go into the, quote, New Testament, or uh, what the apostles wrote, and we're going to find that Jesus encountered people for literally thousands of years. He appeared to Abraham and Sarah, and he blessed them. He was the one talking with Moses in the burning bush. Moses said, what is your name? And he answered, I am. Now, the Jews were debating with Jesus, and in John 8, verse 53 through 58, watch what he says here. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be, debating with Jesus? So Jesus answered them, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. <laughs> but I do know him and keep his word. See, we found we can know God. We can know who he is. And the things that we do, things that we say, that they are as God himself. So your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, remember, 
uh, what we talked about, the burning bush. He says, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. And so Jesus encountered people throughout thousands of years. He also wrestled with Jacob. Jacob then said, I have seen God face to face. Most of the time when you think it is a father in Scripture speaking, actually it is Jesus the Son or the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a few times in the Bible recorded that the Father actually speaks in Scripture. So let me tell you another time Jesus appeared in the Old Testament, and I'm building to something here because I want you to, to recognize in the climax of this series what we're going to see God's final addition to who we are in this world and how great you are in the kingdom of God. He met with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says that he danced, they danced with Jesus in the fiery furnace. And of course, it's not my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. But <laughs> Daniel 3.25 in the NIV, King Nebuchadnezzar said this, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Jesus has had personal encounters with mankind from the beginning. The reason I am excited about today's message is because I, wanna, I want you to hear this closely. This encounter with Paul is after the ascension of Christ. When Christ ascended to the Lord after he was crucified, Jesus lives on this earth and had all these encounters that we've talked about. Then Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and he was raised from the grave, the tomb, and then he ascends into heaven and then encounters Paul. This is why I'm excited about today. Jesus' encounter with Paul proves to us we still can have a personal encounter and a relationship with Jesus. I'm pausing there because I want you to get that. I want you to really hear the truth in everything that we have taught, everything that we've learned in this series, is I want you to recognize that today you can have such an amazing encounter with Jesus himself today. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say that you are alone because you're not. You can talk to Jesus, and Jesus will talk with you today. Now, Paul had several encounters with Jesus, and I asked, asked you about Acts chapter 9 to turn there. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, is really an interesting uh, encounter that, that Paul, at this time, name was Saul, uh, had with Jesus. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, born again, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, 
why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now, what I'm going to do today and next week, I'm going to show you three things that happen in Saul's encounter. And to start today, we're going to talk about this today, is Saul received a new name. Saul's name was changed, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want you to understand that a name change has purpose with it. A name change is to literally say to you and me, there's something particular that I have offered you. There's something particular that I have planned for you. There's something so innate, something so unique, something so intimate that God himself has said to Paul or Saul and changed his name to Paul later on. But the reality is in this name change, it literally draws people into, when they understand it, into a passion of serving God. This is not taught very much in the United States of America, but it's taught around the world, around in Africa, in China. They have to hide. They have to go to rooms because if the Bible is taught, they get arrested and they're thrown in jail for three years. And anybody from the United States or anywhere that preaches the gospel in China is literally sent away from China and back home and or arrested. But I want you to hear today in a, a short little four-minute video from Pastor Wayne Cordero, one of my mentors, and I want you to hear his explanation when he did a Bible study, and I, I put this on Facebook yesterday, and I want you to hear this and watch the passion that happens in our lives when we understand that God has done something brand new in our lives. Go ahead and listen. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time, we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in, and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning, and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, 
I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. <laughs> she said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? She said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. In China, they are taught biblically that when you become born again, God gives you a purpose, he gives you a new name, he gives you purpose. Because in China, your purpose is told to you what you're to do. In China, everything that is given to you, it is told to you. Now, understand that things have changed, I believe, because Jesus Christ has been infiltrating China. You saw that 20 million people having private Bible studies. There are areas in China where it's a little bit more free than others. We have people in our church that are from China, and they are the most gracious, loving, caring, gifted people in the world. And I want to tell you, I want to be like the Christian in China because they understand a new purpose in their life, that God has given them a new name. Now, Saul received a new name. He is called Saul in the passage, and for the next 13 years, 
he, is, he goes by the name Saul, and then his name is changed to Paul. In Acts 13, Saul's name was changed to Paul when he sent out to fulfill his purpose on this earth. Now, we don't know if God changed Saul's name, but we do know that God has a habit of changing names. And I'm going to show you scripture regarding that. Name changing has and had a purpose. So again, in the United States of America, we talk about all the blessings that God will bring us. But your greatest blessing when you become born again is that you have an innate ability, an intimate ability to know God, to know who you are. And by knowing who you are, you know a purpose. You have a reason to live. You have a reason to be able to do the things that you do. You have a reason to handle the very tribulation that you face in life because you know there's a purpose and that God will always fulfill that purpose as we learned last week. That God is a God that says, I do have the last word. I will make sure that what I have said to you will come to pass. But there are many in the United States because it's so easy. We don't have to travel the 13 hours. We don't have to sit on the wooden floors. We, we don't have to sit in the, the hot sanctuaries most of the time, unless the air condition breaks. But name changing had a purpose. We do know that Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is his Gentile name. Paul was raised, and, and even though he was Hebrew, he was raised in a city called Tarsus, which was Gentile. Then from age 12 to 21, he went to Jerusalem to study to become a Pharisee. He moved back to Tarsus, and he was 30 years old when he met Jesus. It's also possible, as we talk about name-changing, because when the disciples first met Saul, they were afraid of him because he was the one that was breathing fire and wanting to kill Christians. And so they struggled. But then they saw, heard from the Holy Spirit, and they saw the change in Saul's life. So it's also possible the disciples changed his name to Paul. Remember Barnabas, speaking of name changes. Barnabas, who was on Paul's team, uh, the disciples changed his name. His name was changed from Joseph to Barnabas, and Barnabas means son of encouragement. Think about it. Barnabas' closest friend said, if encouragement has a child, it would be you, Joseph, so we will call you Barnabas. Question, if your friends changed your name, Based on your character, what would your name be? Would it be encourager? Would it be critical? Would it be happy? Would it be angry? Would it be faithful? Would it be fearful? What would your name be? See, we have learned in this series and we're going to really learn from Paul's life, is that God has a particular purpose for you, and the world has no hold 
on naming you. And I want you to get this. Because in your past, you have been named many different things. In your past, you've been accused of many different things. And even out of your action, it may have been true, but bottom line, God has said, no, I have a plan, I have a purpose for you, so that when you begin to know me, I have something new for you. And God is calling you, God is calling me to really understand that who we are and what God has said we are and what God has said we are to accomplish. If you would like to be named something, what would that name be? If you would like to be known as son or daughter of encouragement, then my statement today, remember, God is more concerned about what we're becoming than what we're doing. But if we become an encourager, then everything that we do, we will encourage. Maybe today, start acting like a son or daughter of encouragement. See, we are always waiting. In this series, we've learned that a lot of people are waiting on God to do something, but God has already done what he, what he needs to do. He said it's finished. And because it's finished, thank you, worship team, you just literally sang my sermon today. And the reality, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's oneness at Valley Community Church. And we need to grab a hold of what God is saying to every one of us, each one of us, make it personal, that God is saying, I have a great story for you, and the story he wants to tell is what he planned for you. The story has already been written. The story has already been put on paper of who you are. And when we really understand, when we become born again, and we receive a new name, then we understand that the story, the true story, now is written and put down and settled in heaven. And what we have to do is understand what is that name. Now, hold on to that because I'm going to show you there's scripture that tells us that, that he does write a name down and only us, only we know it. Only I know my name. Not you. So anybody that comes falsely accusing you, they don't know your name. So my statement to you, why do you receive what other people say? When God has said, no, this is who you are. Hmm. The United States needs to know that. God has a new name for you because when you became born again, God did change your name. Revelation 2.17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on, that, on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. It's right there, church. It's right there. Some of you might say, well, I may not overcome. Let me just tell you, as we learned in this series, you overcome not by being good, but through grace. So here's one of our main points in this series, and all our teaching, as long as I am here, because it's biblical. You have to stop thinking and living with a works mentality, but a becoming mentality. You overcome because you are in Christ and Jesus Christ has overcome the world. 
you sit with him, he's already overcome. He's done the work. And so now what we do is we, as we learn, we take that first step because Jesus has already completed the work. Now we take that first step and then God makes sure that everything that he has promised you will come to pass. It takes people of faith. It takes people that'll say, you know what, Wayne Cordero's coming into town and I'm gonna travel 13 hours on a train and I'm gonna sit for three days and listen. And I, when I go to prison because of my stance, that doesn't matter, I'm gonna get in the word of God. I'm gonna find the word of God. I'm gonna quote the word of God and I'm gonna lead people to Christ and I'm gonna do what God, you called me to do. Wherever I'm at, whether I'm bound, whether I'm free, I'm gonna do this. So our brothers and sisters in China are amazing. And we need to recognize what God is doing through the world. And what we have to recognize is what the enemy is trying to do in the United States. Is trying to change your name. He is a copycat. He's a liar. He cannot tell the truth. And we find that even everything that we're trying to change our history trying to change our name and i want to say to you today uh uh that's not going to happen with me and whether i have to drive an hour 3 hours 5 hours or whether pastor gary goes over 2 minutes of the allotted time i'm going to stay seated i'm going to rejoice Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 10 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, because you've been born again and you hear the word of God, the spirit of religion has been delivered from you. No longer you do things because of man's ideas. You do it because God said it. And what God says is true. And I'm going to say it this way. You got a new name. I know you have a, a new name. You got a new name. So here's my question. What is the name that God has for you? I know if I talked to some of you, you would say, I know my name. Because I've had people in our church tell me, you know, God told me in a dream my name. And I know what I'm supposed to do because of that name. So before we go a little further in this, let me uh, say this. Satan has a name for you too. Satan will say, your name is what they called you in high school. Your name is what they called you in college. Your name is what your father called you when he was angry with you when he was drunk or high. Your name is the way you act 
when you blow it? <laughs> How many of you can admit with your hand raised halfway up, I'm not perfect, Pastor? I do mess up at times? Yeah, okay. And what the enemy says, that's your name. That's really who you are. Uh-uh-uh. He wants you to remember this. Sometimes you're pretty good, but then you go off the deep end and you mess up. That's really your name. That's really who you are. You can't change. Things won't get better. Everybody hates you. Everybody sees you. They don't like you. They mistreat you. Look, and he puts you into a hole and he gives you a name that is exactly opposite of what God gave you. He says, your name's an adulterer, your name is loser, your name is failure, your name is bitterness, your name is fear, your name is shame. Remember in this series we learned that we don't have a shameful past because our past has been forgiven and removed. That's the wrong voice to listen to. But when things are easy, it's a tendency to listen to more voices. When things are hard in our life, we have, we have a desire to listen to one voice. We have a desire to find the answer for things. But when things are easy, we're listening to all kinds of voices. And it, it may not be coming from God. And in that, we begin to live a life that we struggle with, that we blame others, that, that we're victims, that we feel like that everything in our life is not going to work because this is just how it is. That's how my life is. No, that is not your name. You are more than a conqueror. You are a son and daughter of God, and you can walk in victory because he's already overcome. Every person in this house needs to ask God, in your quiet time, what is my name, Lord? What have you purposed for me to do? When you are born again, on that white stone will be written a new name. That only the one who, that only the one who received it will know it. <laughs> See, and you can even express that name to others, and that's cool. That's all right. You can express the call of God in your life. You can express all those things. But there's no one that can be as intimate with what you are, who you are, and your purpose than you. I can do my best to teach the Word of God. I can do my best to stand up here, in which I do, and I study hours and hours, and I pray hours and hours, and, and, and I, I want to proclaim everything the Holy Spirit wants me to say. But it's you who knows your name. It's you who can be intimate with what that is. And it's you that understand it so well that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard because you know your name. You know who you are in Christ. See, because it's all about Christ. So what happened to Saul in his new name, you hear all in the books that he wrote. You hear the manifestation of what God had shown him and doctrines and all the doctrines that we live with and through in the church has come from the heart of, of Paul who understood his new name, who understood his purpose, and he wrote it down. 
Let me tell you what Saul means. The name Saul means demanded death. He was the guy that went around demanding death for believers. Scholars believe that he was the one that held the cloaks of Stephen when he was stoned to death. Because he was the one that was overseeing that. Church, we must understand that when that new name comes, there's going to be times that you don't understand because of what life is going on or even what that name says that, you know, I I really don't want that name because you know what the name Paul means? It means little or small. (laughs) Little or small. I don't want to be called little. Let me read a scripture to you so you get what this really means. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am and what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. He refers to himself as the least of the apostles. But everyone knows that he was probably the greatest. But see, Saul, who became Paul, understood his name. That he was to humble himself under the mighty hand of God. That he was to realize that the very things that he has in his life that day that he wrote was because of Christ. It wasn't because he was so good. It wasn't because he was so educated. And all the education and being good is good, man's ideas. But the reality is what God said, I want you to show my heart. Jesus, who was God, came to this earth and humbled himself and became a man so that he could do what he had promised when he spoke to Adam and Eve when they fell. He said, one day I'm going to come back and Satan, they, because I'm coming, they're going to be able to step on your head and have authority over you. We, as a church, need to understand that. We've had some of our folks who've traveled with me to Africa and, and people traveled for, for two days to get there. They slept on the wooden pews because there were ants on the floor. They slept on the wooden pews at night. The restroom was a post, had a fence around and a post that you just held on to. And you did your business in a hole. These guys and ladies were some of the most faithful, loving, caring people you'll ever meet. Because they understood their name. They understood their call. They understood who they were. And they understood what Christ did for them. And it wasn't because, you know, Paul did so well because he had education. He became a Pharisee. It was because he understood who he was in Christ. And he had that new name. And he said, by my actions standing before you, I am the least of the apostles. 
by my actions before being born again. He says, I don't deserve this. But it's by the grace of God. Another writing says, As I came before you, not with, with great words, but I came before you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that is done. Paul understood his name. Is everything that he did, he was able to do because of the power of God, because he submitted himself to God, and nothing stopped him. Whatever came in his life, nothing stopped him. He asked the Lord, and we, we may cover that next week, so much information about Paul. But he talked to Paul, and he said, he said, what do you need? And Paul says, if you would deliver me from this. Three times he tried, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And a lot of people try to explain again, you know, that he was, he was half blind, that he was bald, that he had all kinds of physical problems. No, what it was, was a spiritual thing that everywhere he went, he had spiritual attacks on his ministry. And what did, what did God say to him? My grace is sufficient. I've already given you authority to handle this. And you know what happened to Paul? He never complained again. Because he understood in that new name who he was, what he could accomplish. Some of you are sitting there and, and your family may have rejected you because you're attending a Protestant church. Some of your family may have rejected you because you sound so religious now. You're not like what you used to be. You're not your old name. You're your new name. And I want to say to you, love them. Have compassion on them because God is ready to write that name on that white stone for them until they become born again and know Christ. They cannot know that name. Why does the world do what they do? It's because they don't know who they are. They're trying to find their identity in all kinds of things, all kinds of social problems, all situations, all kinds of different things in education. They're trying to find their place in life. And I want to say to you, you will never find your true place in life until you understand and find your new name, what God has done for you. As everyone is looking at me, I want you to understand is what, what God has said about you and who you are is so huge, it's so big, it's such a reality in the kingdom of God. In the spirit realm, they see who you are. That's why in this series we talked about seeing past the physical and seeing in the spirit realm. Remember the healing of the blind man. God didn't have to do it twice. Jesus didn't have to do it twice because it was a, a big deal and it was a tough sickness or disease or whatever, blindness. Jesus wanted him to get true healing. You gotta see spiritually first. And when you see spiritually, then you'll know the truth and it will set you free in the physical. 
It will set you free in the emotional. It will set every one of us free. Can you imagine every one of us in this church going outside of these four walls into the marketplace and knowing who we are and not kowtowing to the junk of the world, not allowing the pressures of life. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of pressures you face out there. There's a lot of things that you face. There's a lot of difficulties that you face, personality conflicts that happen, all kinds of things. But when you know who you are, nothing can sway you. When you know who you are, you will ride a train for 13 hours. You will sneak up in an elevator, looking over your shoulder, and you will go to this Bible study. And you will sit there knowing that someone could just break the door down and throw you in jail. But you want to know Christ. You want to know who he is. So if God has set you at a job and it's really tough, God has set you in a place and it's really rough, don't look at it in the physical. Say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be in this place? Have you set me here? Have you allowed my purpose to be here so I can bring victory in these people's lives? See, we're not here just so that we can be blessed. We're here so we can learn and go out and lead people to Christ. So that we can go out and lay hands on the sick that they would recover. That we can forgive those that have done things that literally in this world you would think unforgivable. But we forgive. We don't live their life with them, but we forgive. We let it go. Why is that? Because I don't want this person who doesn't know their name make me like them. Because that's not who I am. I'm a son of the living God. I walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When I make a step, God goes with me. Angels protect me. I am there. I am the healed of God. And when the enemy comes in, like a flood, he raises up a standard, and the enemy is attacked and tried to bring sicknesses and diseases in your lives, but you stand and say, no, my name is this. I am a child of God, and I am healed in Jesus' name. And I live my life in this life. I walk by faith, not by sight. Who? This is just the introduction of Paul. Can you imagine next week? He refers to himself as the last of the apostles. But everyone knows he was the greatest. By the way, that is a kingdom principle. Matthew 23, 11 says, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Matthew 20, verse 26, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, why is Paul so amazing? There are 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13. 
But I believe he wrote 14. I believe he co-wrote Hebrews. A lot of people try to argue who wrote the book of Hebrews. I believe that Paul co-wrote it. And, and so in this reality, most of the theology that church understands about Jesus came from Paul. Theology like uh, saved by grace, the body of Christ, and so much more. Paul wrote this. Paul was the one. When his name was Saul, he didn't understand his purpose. He didn't understand the power of God in his life. And Saul tried to kill the very thing that he was going to serve. Paul tried to kill the very essence of what he wrote in the New Testament. You see how amazing God can do? He can transform you from someone who was a murderer, someone who killed, someone who, who was evil, into someone who would change millions by hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the God that we serve. That's who you are. You are a son or a daughter of God that has great ability in Christ. But you need to recognize that, and how you recognize that is you keep focusing on God's purpose in your life, on who he called you, what he said you are. <laughs> Amen. It's kind of funny. I was thinking last night, and I played a lot of high-level baseball, and because uh, I was a pitcher, uh, I was called Curveball Klaus. So when they would announce on the, the games who was pitching, they'd say, Curveball Klaus is pitching today. And uh, now I'm a minister, and I don't want to throw you any curveballs. <laughs> I want to throw it straight down the middle for you. <laughs> when Paul took and understood his name, he became the least, and God made him great. Again, what is your name? Let me conclude by reading Romans chapter 12, and I think this is going to really jump out at your spirit, and you will understand what, this, what is being written here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Knowing who God is, realizing then who you are, and then pinpointing your purpose with the meaning of your new name. I promise you, you will succeed. You will accomplish what God has planned. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.